everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I am Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good buddy out there, Seth Robinson. Seth? Hey, I had a nice little win this week. Oh, yeah? Do tell. Yeah. So um, my son is a senior this year, as I think you know, and we've been pretty fortunate that he wasn't banking on a lot of senior year things. You know, he's been pretty cool about how, you know, this year has transpired, but he does play tennis. And that was probably the biggest thing he was looking forward to. And this week, kind of the preseason started, you know, they're, they're starting to do their conditioning and things like that. Um, and so he was able to go off for that. And so for one, that was nice for him, but for another, it, uh, it felt like a step in the right direction that he was able to go off and do his thing. And, you know, with the weather warming up and, and vaccinations rolling out, uh, it, it feels like we're headed in the right direction. So that was really nice. No, I know how much Quinn likes tennis and that's, that's good news um, that he's able to resume some of the normalcy of his routine. Uh, Cause it's been, if you're, if a student, it's been a very difficult time this past year plus as someone who also has a, had a senior last spring and, and a freshman now in college, uh, it has not been a normal experience as we've discussed, but um, that's great news. Good. My good news is that I am now in line for vaccinations. I'm apparently old enough so that I can get them here in New Hampshire by the end of this month. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. So that's, that's good news. And my parents got their vaccinations. So that was more my concern. So, uh, so yeah, this is probably the most positive we've been in a while, which yeah, is yeah, for a change, <laughs> for a change, but even better, we have a guest today. Do you know yeah, we do? The, the topic for today is kind of a nuts and bolts topic. It's, it's one that we've touched on in the past around the, the network and network management. And we've talked about how important it, it is, but, uh, we have someone today to, to speak to that in even more detail. So we're pleased to welcome Steve Petrushuk. He is the technology advocate at Ovic, and they just released a new report looking at the state of network management. And uh, I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit uh, today. Uh, so Steve, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Seth and Carolyn. This is like, so great to be here. Awesome. Welcome aboard. So, so Steve, before we dive into the details of the, the report, just at a high level, can you talk a little bit about like why the network is so critical? Because obviously companies have had networks for decades now, and we have all of these new things happening in IT. But like I mentioned before, a lot of our research seems to come back to the network. Like, you know, companies are realizing that they still have to pay quite a bit of attention to their networks. So in your yeah. mind, you know, what, what's kind of the state of the network? Why is it so critical? You know, are, are companies underestimating how critical it is? What's going on? Yeah, so, so, so I compare networks today to a utility, right? Um, I don't go, get up in the morning and say, I'm so glad the electricity is on, or I'm thankful for the natural gas line running to my house. Uh, but if you think about what happens if I don't have those things, right? I don't have my morning coffee. I can't connect to Zoom calls like this and be productive. Uh, my house may not be heated, which, you know, based in Canada, that's a, a big thing. Um, and so I, I look at the network as almost the, the same way, right? We, we just expect the, the network to work. We expect to have this connectivity out to the, out to the internet uh, because it's something that enables all of us to be productive. Um, I think when we start to think about how it's changed a little bit uh, over the past year, and yeah, I think past years is just accelerating a trend that was going to happen anyway, uh, is that 
the definition of the network has changed for a lot of organizations. Uh, it used to be, you know, a, a, an IT provided uh, endpoint connecting to an IT provided network that is accessing an IT provided resource. And we had uh, management and visibility over all those different components, uh, but we don't anymore, right? Um, now the network is basically everything that connects uh, me on my endpoint that could be an IT managed endpoint or it could be a personal endpoint. Uh, connecting through a network, could be the office network, could be uh, my home network or a coffee shop network, and to that application that could be a, an IT provided application or could be uh, a SaaS application or, or anything else. So it's uh, that, that definition of the network has a little bit changed to now encompass uh, so many more things that traditionally haven't been in the purview of IT. That's interesting because what you just uh, described is something that's sort of become like an octopus, right? Uh, many, many tentacles that now define the network, which was uh, much more tightly defined uh, in, in years before. Um, what I, I imagine then that brings up a number of challenges for those who manage the networks um, because they now have so many, like I said, tentacles to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, so it's introducing uh, some new areas that we start to have to get visibility into. Um, you know, I think about uh, that um, the end user connecting in through their home network or that coffee shop network. You know, traditionally I wouldn't have had to uh, care about how the, the network at Starbucks is performing. Uh, but now as my end users are trying to be productive on uh, from wherever they are, uh, they are looking to IT teams to help them diagnose some of those performance problems. Uh, so in some cases, uh, we have a challenge of uh, lack of visibility into to some of those networks. Uh, and in some cases, we have lack of visibility into the end user devices and, and how they're performing and operating. Um, so ultimately, it becomes a little bit of a, a visibility problem. Uh, and then there's the other side, which is, you know, maybe the way that we uh, host some of our applications and deliver those applications to our end users has changed. So now we need to look at, you know, how are we um, hosting those in, in a cloud environment uh, and have some of the, the networking concepts and technologies change within those cloud environments as well, right? Getting more familiar with, uh, you know, the big cloud providers as an example. So in the report, Steve, one of the upfront takeaways was th this disconnect that you're starting to describe between how companies have been managing their networks or the skills that they've been bringing into the networks and some of the things that they need to do to make sure that those networks are staying up to speed and cutting edge and handling all of the things that are being being thrown at it. So, you know, in your mind, if you were looking for a network administrator today, you know, what are, what are some of the main skills that you would be looking for? And, and maybe what are some of the main ones that companies are missing today? Yes, so I, I would uh, bucket those uh, new skills in sort of two different areas. And the, and the first is one that we're all too familiar with, and that's uh, more on the, the technical skills, right? So I, I touched a little bit on uh, some of the, the cloud networking technologies and cloud architectures. Um, you know, I think managing the network in the cloud is going to become a, uh, a key skill that a lot of network admins will need to look to, to obtain to, to continue to sort of scale up in the years ahead. And there's also the continued blurring of a you know, network admin and a, a developer uh, to do some sort of scripting when it comes to, to network automation. And so I think you know, for, for a long time, um, network admins have been um, uh, doing some scripting, doing a little bit of coding, but I think we're gonna see a, a continued um, 
combination of those two skill sets where to, to really, you know, scale that network management practice, all these have a little bit more of, of that uh, development uh, uh, scripting and coding kind of uh, skill set. And so that's a technical bucket. And then there's that whole bucket of uh, soft skills, the, the things that we uh, don't always talk about every day, especially in the IT community. Um, I, but I, I think it's become more important as our users have gone uh, elsewhere that we've now had to communicate with them even more than we would have in the past, where before I, you know, I had visibility into the technology and visibility into the applications. I could use the tools, the widgets, the whatever I have in front of me to figure out what was going wrong. Uh, and in a lot of the, the issues that we're facing today in IT, we don't always have that benefit. Um, if you think about, uh, you know, the Slack issue on the first day back after uh, after the holidays, you know, that wasn't something that IT could immediately jump in and fix, but they needed to move from being that fixer to the communicator. Hey, you know, we've identified this. Here's how you can continue to be productive. In the meantime, we're, we're monitoring it and we're getting updates and communicating that out to their team. So the role there is changing a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that IT has really been known as um, the best communicators uh, doesn't necessarily match our, our always our skill set. Um, so something more on that soft, soft skills is really going to help uh, as sort of we evolve to this more distributed octopus-like network as we were chatting about. It's it's in interesting that you talk about soft skills because that's something that Seth and I both see in the research that we do at CompTIA, the increased importance of soft skills abilities among IT professionals and those in the IT industry, whether you're an MSP or whatever it is, but any technician needs to have those skills now. Um, one of the things I noticed from the report was um, this idea of proactive activity around net the network versus reactive. Mm -hmm. And reactive being, I think, oh, you know, something bad just happened, we have to go fix it versus proactive being ahead of the game and um, and making sure that that bad thing does not happen. Um, have you seen the roles of IT pros becoming more proactive or are we still in the troubleshooting, the, the damage has already been done, we have to fix it mode? Yes, so one interesting uh, stat that did come out of the report is that uh, from the last time we did this report back in 2015 uh, to 2021, we actually did see a change in the amount of time that uh, IT professionals were spending doing new product and new tool installations compared to uh, maintaining uh, existing tools. And so I think this speaks a little bit to that proactive reactive uh, uh, sort of balance and that you know the past year has been one where there's a lot of change and so we've had to spend more time sort of you know getting in front of these uh, connectivity and performance issues continuing to enable our users with um, new products new services and new applications uh, but I don't think we're ever going to get to a spot where we're hundred percent proactive right I, I think we should always strive to get there uh, but but the reality is that there, there's always going to be something um, that we'll have to sort of fight the fire on I'm thinking back to the one of the first things you said here that you know you, you view the network uh, as a utility, uh, and, and I think in many ways that um, sort of dictates how a company might approach it and the the level of importance that they need to put on availability and things like that. But there's a side of the network that is is not like the utility, like those utilities that are coming in uh, are are pretty prescribed in the way that they come in and, and they don't need to change a lot. Whereas I think the network is kind of needed to change all the time, like you've, you've been describing here. And this shift in balance is one that most companies don't necessarily want to take on completely internally, right? So I, I, I think a lot of companies are starting to think about how they want to balance their activities 
in terms of being proactive and reactive, uh, you know, or like offensive and defensive and cybersecurity, things like that. And as they do that balance, how are they utilizing outside firms to do that? Um, I, I, I think we, we, we see a lot of companies considering this balance. I don't, I don't think anybody really wants to go all one way or all the other way outside of maybe the smallest firms. So mm-hmm. what are you seeing in terms of the way that companies are, are starting to consider how they can use third parties to achieve some of their network goals and then maybe allow their internal resources to do something that's more innovative or maybe more proactive? Yeah, so, so I think you hit it um, right on the head there that there, there's sort of two perspectives we can take on this. The, the first is as the that internal resource, um, I need to look around and see, well, what are the things that I'm spending a lot of time doing? Um, how important are those activities to the business? Uh, are they something that only I can do or are those things that um, I can outsource to then free up my time to someone else uh, or to do something else? And I think, uh, you know, it's the things that we do often, it can also be things that I don't like to do, right? What are the things that I don't actually find value uh, in doing? And so I want to look at those type of things when I start to think about, well, what can I outsource to a third party? Uh, and I think you're right that as the um, IT service provider, I want to look at this and say, well, I could out could go after this client and get them to outsource all of their network functions or all of their IT functions. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in this sort of co-managed approach or, or whatever you want to call it, where we look at specific functions where we can be the expert uh, and provide the most value to our clients in those specific areas. And so if I was an IT service provider, I'm looking at ways I can make my clients life easier um, and pulling out some of those functions that, that I do really, really well. Uh, but if I, if I am that IT service provider, I need to not replace just you know a, a person with a person doing the exact same job, right? I need to look at um, how I can automate that process that they're currently manually doing, or I can uh, sort of scale that process up to provide uh, that service in a more cost-effective manner. Uh, otherwise, we're just you know um, shifting money around and shifting costs around. And I'm not really increasing the efficiency at all. So on, on that IT service provider side, we really need to understand how we can uh, automate and improve the process rather than just strictly outsourcing it. You know, you're, in your report, I wanted to touch on this. You, you do um, talk about automation and areas where companies, uh, network managers and technicians don't realize they could be um, deploying some automation and moving themselves into working on more strategic types of projects. Um, and, and why do you think that's not happening? Is this a workforce type issue? Is this a, you know, job uh, security type issue or are companies just simply not embracing some of the simpler areas that they can automate today? Right, yeah, so, so I think uh, the answer there is in the, the last thing that you said, and that's uh, automation is uh, a broad term, right? And so automation can mean a lot of different things and to get a fully automated network, uh, that can be like that you know, thousand pound gorilla, that can be a, a big task. But there are a lot of things that we do manually today that we can automate um, and that sort of uh, are bucketed into this network automation class that don't uh, doesn't have to mean a fully automated network where I press a button and everything's magic underneath, right? And so I think that is almost, um, I don't want to say scary, but it, it sounds like a big step for uh, a small to mid-sized business, right? Obviously, if I'm a, a large enterprise, I have a ton more resources I can throw at it. But for your average business, getting from you know a manual process where they are today to this fully automated network can be uh, a big transition. So we, we have to sort of, again, step back and look at, well, what are the things that I'm doing 
every day, day in and day out that um, have a repeatable process, something that I can uh, well-define, whether it's a, a script that I create or a tool that I get to automate that process. Um, but I, I can look at things like, uh, you know, automating my uh, IT asset discovery or automating uh, topology mapping or automating password rotations, um, or if there's a most common help desk request uh, that comes in from your end users, how do we automate that process? You know, like the automate the turn it off and turn it back on again. Um, and so what are the things that you're doing every day that you can automate? And those start to become quick wins on the path to sort of that full network automation. It's not going to happen overnight, right? It's what steps do I take today? I like that idea of like an FAQ sort of automation. So when you've got a user who's saying something's not working and you can just automate them to tell them to reboot their computer. <laughs> it's the first answer anyway, right? So <laughs> the way that we're looking at the IT channel and especially the, the solution provider end of that continue to evolve where we've had reseller, had managed service providers, you know, the, these companies have been connected to vendors uh, and, and then in a lot of cases taking on some of these routine tasks. But now when you're talking about the automation, I think that's really getting into this new area that we're starting to describe where a solution provider is adding value of, of their own, whether that's, you know, creating IP or coming up with a process on their own. You know, these things aren't necessarily coming directly from the vendors, it's not something that they can just plug in and get up and running. What, what are you seeing take place out there in terms of solution providers that are really embracing that challenge and, and trying to do something new and unique and, and creative and innovative um, that, that doesn't just come straight down the distribution pipeline? I, I think in the channel, we've had a, a long history of Developing that in-house IP, understanding whether there's a you know a broader commercial market, um, I, you know, for uh, a lot of the IT service providers that I've spoken to that uh, have peers in different geographies, they'll often you know share some of these ideas to sort of test out some of those in, in the real world. And we've seen a lot of successful companies that have just come out of you know uh, an in-house grown tool that then is spun out. And I, and I think you know that's great. Um, I would say on the the network automation side, we're still in the early stages of this. And I, I haven't seen a, a ton of uh, a ton of stuff come out yet that I would say, hey, that's the, the next commercial opportunity coming out of the channel, but it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what does come out over the next few months. So I, I think we can probably put an end cap on this, but I have one last question. We have not mentioned the word security in this discussion. <laughs> and um, so, so Steve, I'm, um, I'm curious, you know, where you see, you know, the role of obviously heard of, you know, all, you know, the network can be so vulnerable and uh, from an MSP perspective and I follow MSPs, they've kind of become a hub for hackers, you know, so that the hackers can access all of the customers that are on that whose networks they are managing. So that's a big issue uh, where, you know, you tell me a little bit about what your attitude and, and, and the company's is about um, security posture as it relates to network managers, whether they're IT pros or MSPs. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think there's a, a lot of different functions within the business that um, drive visibility and drive information towards the security team. And so in, in a lot of businesses, uh, you know, especially start to, to scale up, um, security is a separate organization than uh, IT operations and often network sort of falls into that side. So. You know, I see uh, 
the role of the, the network admin or the, um, the IT pro, pro who's managing the network is to provide uh, information and visibility to the security team on what is on the network, um, how it is connected, how it is configured, um, are, you know, uh, what firmwares are we running? So start to give some of that visibility. And so it's really important um, to get that visibility and to provide that. Uh, as well, you know, we, when we start talking about automation, we want to start to, um, you know, improve our security posture over time. So if I think about things like making sure my uh, network devices are on the latest firmware versions, you know, that's something that is something that I could automate. Uh, and so to make sure that we're always up to date, have the most uh, most recent, um, recent firmware. There's a lot of... Uh, I guess, opportunities on the network side to provide visibility into, you know, what's happening on the network, what's connected on the network to the security team. Um, and so it, it's interesting you sort of brought it up. I, I do see the security discussion uh, a lot when we start talking about network monitoring and network management. Uh, but I always start off with, well, you know, you can't protect what you can't see. And the first thing you need to do is just get visibility. Uh, and a lot of the, the network uh, management and monitoring software are the ones that start to give you visibility into to what's out there so you can get started on that process. Because uh, that's often a very manual task today, right? Something that people are going out with a pen and paper, um, maybe tracing some wires, not something I want to be doing. <laughs> Well, Steve, thanks so much for, for joining us. We've covered a lot of ground, um, but there's probably a lot of ground you know, still to cover. Uh, we will definitely include a link to the, the, the report where people can get the report uh, in the show notes here. Uh, so if people want to check out even more, they can do that. Uh, do you have any final word here that we haven't touched on? I just want to say, you know, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Download that network field report it has a lot of additional insights here that we didn't get to cover. Uh, and so if you're curious to, you know, am I similar to my peers or spending my time doing a lot of different things? There's, there's a lot of good insights. So definitely download that. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to chatting with you more in the future. And uh, Carolyn, until next time, maybe we can uh, keep our streak of optimism going. I hope so. I really do. Thanks, Steve, for joining. We enjoyed the discussion today. Thanks so much. All right. Bye now.